Our philosophy here on Two Teas in a Pod is to use English in its most natural form. Therefore, occasionally a bad word may slip through the net. This episode contains adult language. Welcome to the podcast, Two Teas in a Pod. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Two Teas in a Pod. Welcome back to Two Teas in a Pod. <laughs> How are you, Tim? I'm good, thank you. Good. How are you doing? Good, thanks. I'm excited about this episode today. Yeah, me too. It's um, very fun. It's quite a big one. It's been, it's been, um, well... Yeah, been lots a lot, of, of, lot of lot of lot of guests today. Lot of guests. Big important people. We haven't had guests for a while, have no, we? No, we haven't. We yeah. haven't had guests for a while. And we love having guests. And we discovered a new way of having guests online from all over the world. Yeah. Joining us on the pod, so we need exactly. to do that more. Yeah. We, um, when today we've got well people from really from all over the world. Yeah, definitely. Um, this is part one of a two-part series on. Uh, green movements in ELT, so green movements in English language teaching. Um, so I would say this is mostly aimed at English language teachers. Yeah. But if you're a student and you'd like to learn more about this, then please, yeah, listen along. Listen like, along. Please feel free to enjoy. You'll definitely get a lot out of it, and you'll get lots of links and information about two materials, uh, videos. Lots of content uh, on the topic of being more green, uh, climate change, and saving the planet. Because yeah. we've spoken to some really interesting people. Yeah. Um, in this part one, we speak to uh, Harry Waters from Renewable English, which is a great website, uh, and movement in general. Yeah, really nice website. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's doing lots of uh, interesting things with uh, video interviews, with sort of green influencers, mm -hmm. uh, lesson plans, live online classes you can join. Mm -hmm. uh, he's really a, an inspiring guy. And then we spoke to, well, on this day, Katie wasn't very well. So I wasn't very well, so I didn't turn up. <laughs> there was only one team. I had pod. I had full intentions of being there. She did all the research. Did all the research. I was yeah. there. I was ready to go, but I just on the day wasn't well. So yeah. Tim did it all by himself, and I know he did a great job. So, um, Well, thank you. You're welcome. It, it was strange being the only tea in the pot. <laughs> um uh, so we spoke to Harry first and then we spoke to Joanna Sterling and Christopher Etchells from ELT Footprint UK. We spoke to them about their movement, how mm -hmm. it started, um, what they're doing to change the industry and get people to think in more in greener ways and change the way they live and the way they work in the in the industry. Yeah. Uh, also really inspiring uh, people. Great mm -hmm. to talk to them. Um, so those are the two people we're going to speak to in this episode, and then part two will be coming out very soon, um, when we'll talk to even more people. Exactly. Making so, changes, making waves. Making waves. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a geographical... <laughs> yeah, it's a great one, it's a great expression. Waves, la waves are related to the earth. Exactly. <laughs> right? They're green. They're we love green. waves. Sometimes. They're mostly blue. <laughs> Anyway, we hope you enjoyed the episode. Yep. Roll the tape. So we are speaking to Harry Waters from Renewable English. Good morning, Harry. How are you doing? Hello there. I'm fantastic. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. 
No worries. So tell us a little bit about the origin story of your organization of Renewable English. How did it all get started? Well, um, it started about 10 years ago, to be honest, um, which seems like a really long time Mm -hmm. for something that's only been around for kind of six months. Uh, But yeah, it started when a a while back while I was came over to Spain, I I got really, really sick. but it, I'm all good, don't worry. But it kind of made me stop and reassess things that I was doing with my life um, and the way that I was behaving. And one of those things was, you know, my massive overconsumption of meat um, and the ridiculous amount of plastic that I was getting through and just things like that. So that was kind of the seed that was planted. And it, it was about 10 years ago, yeah. And then when my daughter was born, it kind of reawakened something again in me thinking this is the planet that we have at the moment, but it's not going to be like this for much longer. And then the, the real kind of the final kind of push for me had to be uh, working in a school. I was working in a primary and secondary school and I saw how little was done, not only as a school, like, so the, the lack of recycling, the lack of um, the, the overuse of electricity and so on, but also the lack within kind of the textbooks, the lack within the classes of education for the students about uh, climate change, about sustainability and about what students can do with their voice uh, to affect climate change. Uh, so when... Um, when we were forced to to live within four walls, it kind of gave me the the stop and the 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 time to sit down and and actually put this thing together. So, um, yeah, it started a long time ago, but the seed has slowly grown until now, when it can, seems to be coming into full bloom, as it were. Nice. So it really came to fruition during the lockdown. Then you started to the actual website and putting things in motion exactly mm-hmm. well um I, I started to kind of prepare the classes and uh, and get the idea together probably around sort of june last year time mm-hmm. and i started putting things together and getting ideas together and planning bits and pieces and it was it was finally ready to to kind of go live in december but even at that stage, I didn't yet have a website. And the thing I mostly didn't have was a clue. Um, I <laughs> didn't really have any idea of what I was doing. So mm-hmm. uh, I had a lot of help from from some wonderful people um, to kind of guide me uh, in a slightly better direction. Uh, now I have a bit more of a clue. Uh, mm-hmm. I just don't have as much time as before. <laughs> Well, based on the content and how the website looks, uh, it doesn't come across that you don't have a clue. It all looks great. Um, can you talk Phew. us through a little bit about the content of the of the website? What what's up there? What can people find? Okay, there? absolutely. Um, so at first, the idea was to to send out pre recorded lessons. Um, the first series is basically kind of each lesson is a supplementary unit, as it were for your traditional English course book. What I realized, what I have realized since I started teaching was 
there isn't enough focus within the the course book on climate change. It tends to be one unit, and that's like a big scare unit that everything's going wrong um, and everything is awful. So what I wanted to do was create kind of a positive outlook on what could be done and how we could use our voice. So if you go to the website, you'll find we're up to series eight in the series uh, series one, sorry, I just said series about a thousand times, which always sounds nice. <laughs> um, so we're up to lesson eight in the first series um, that we have recorded on the website. And they go through, so the first unit is all about home, where we look at electricity consumption and water use at home. So we have the video, which is recorded. It's on our YouTube channel, but you can get to it through the link. We also have a worksheet. And then if you go to our Instagram page, there's all sorts of other infographics and, and stuff like that, which are also available in the gallery of the website. Um, but I think the main kind of feature, the main idea for uh, Renewable English is something that came from my work with uh, Pearson and the BBC um, doing live classes. Um, I found that when I was recording the classes directly for YouTube, they just seemed a, a bit dry. Mm. Um, they didn't have that kind of, I don't know, spark that, that I have when I'm teaching. So we've gone live and you can find the live stream at the start of the website. We're, we're ev on every Thursday at five o'clock uh, Spain time or Central European summer time or mm -hmm. UTC plus two okay. or British summer time plus one, depending yeah. where you're listening from mm -hmm. um, or watching from. Uh, and that's kind of the focus now. So we build throughout the week with with the top tips uh, that we have also on the website. Um, there are some unfun facts because we do need to see the negative aspects of, of everything as well. Um, and then, yeah, it's all built towards this kind of live lesson at the end of the at the end of the week. Well, on a Thursday, so we can we can revel in the knowledge on Friday mm -hmm. uh, and start our quest to to the next week. Nice, that's a great initiative. Um, it's interesting what you said about that not having the the spark of uh, having students. I think that's what really gives the spark to a live lesson, right? That having people to interact with, knowing that people are watching in the moment. Um, exactly. That you just don't get from recording something. Uh, it, yeah, I felt really weird the first lesson I was recording because yeah. it's I've I've recorded plenty of videos, you know, where you're you're speaking to the camera, you're introducing something, but actually teaching a class, yeah, it felt so strange. Like, you know, waiting for the reaction. I'm used to having you know two, three hundred people in a class for for the the Pearson and BBC mm -hmm. big live lessons. Um, so there's constant chat coming at you. Yeah. And then when you're sitting there just recording it, it's just like, it doesn't feel right. It feels it false. It felt a right? bit yeah. strained. Mm -hmm. Well, you think maybe you're like in a sitcom waiting for, leaving a gap for the laugh and things like that. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Kind of, yeah, waiting mm -hmm. for somebody to put applause up yeah. there for me. So, <laughs> Okay. <clears throat> You've also got um, lots of interviews on the website with green green influencers, should we say, or people with different uh, background knowledge of various aspects of, um, well, like you said, ideas for how to be more green. Um, talk us through some of those. What are the ones that have been the most like eye-opening for you? Okay, yes. Yeah, so as you say, they're kind of, they, they are almost influencers that... <laughs> 
there's somewhere between influencers and experts depending yeah. on on which unit we're on um mm -hmm. I, th I have to say the most the most inspired i felt by by any of them and it was something that really took me uh took me aback was the one that was in last week's episode with amy meek from kids against plastic mm -hmm. um i was really i was really kind of humbled by it um you know I've, i'd spoken to other people to other experts from you know uh, a, a vegan chef a water waste expert i'd spoken to all these other people and then suddenly i'm faced with uh, a 17 year old um mm -hmm. for a start i mean age is is not in any way uh get in the way of anything to be honest my first guest was 86 and she's incredible wow. um but yeah i was just i was really inspired and humbled by how um eloquent she was and all of her points came across so well and i kind of thought back to myself as a 17 year old thinking <laughs> i you know I would not have been able to have started a charity and inspired all of these different people to to take up a fight against plastic. Um, and she started it when she was 12. Wow. I, mean, I, I don't remember <laughs> what I was doing when I was 12, but it wasn't anything that was in any way impactful for the planet. And what's come from it as well is the Kids Against Plastic have a, uh, like a connect, they have a club. Mm -hmm. which meets every second Saturday or every other Saturday. And and my daughter's joined the club. In fact, I've got her badge here somewhere. Um, <laughs> and it's just brilliant to see the, it's brilliant to see the inspiration that they're bringing out for, for younger generations. But, but something I thought about when I was speaking to her was um, intergenerational inspiration. Because I, I saw them a while ago on a on a YouTube show called Let's Go Live that I was watching during the the lockdown with my daughter, um, a science show for kids, and I saw them on there, and instantly I was kind of like it piqued my interest, and I was really in like inspired to to watch what they were doing, and mm -hmm. you know they talked about the the UN SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals, and and they were just I don't know to see her and her sister as well. Um, to see people so young taking such an active voice it was brilliant and it's it was kind of the the idea that we have at renewable english is to kind of plant that seed so so when uh, amy and ella were 12 their parents started teaching them about the sdgs and that planted the seed and that has slowly grown and now you know they're they're making big impacts. They're they're going out there. They're they're speaking at volunteering conferences. They're, they've spoken at the UN. Um, all of, all of these different things are just incredible to see. Like they're using their voice, and and the idea at Renewable English is, hopefully, we can kind of be that seed that can then germinate and then be somebody else with that kind of voice. That said. All of the interviews have really, really awakened me in that aspect. So mm -hmm. the waterways one with uh, Shirley Cato, full disclosure, she is my nanny. Um, <laughs> but she's always inspired me. Like my yeah. whole life, I've seen my nan inspire uh, saving water. And that's always inspired me. But then the chat with the, the vegan chef has, has really helped myself and, and my wife kind of take steps towards 
really reducing um, animal products. Uh, the food waste episode that we had with um, with Suzanne Duplantis from Makeover, my leftover, mm-hmm. it just it makes us stop and think. You know, do what does that really need to be thrown away? Um, and with the plastics and and the kind of fashion products, the big question they've inspired in me, um, and in general, I think the way we can all start with becoming environmentalists, that question of, do I need it? Right. You know, and they've all, they've all kind of reawakened that question. So I'm in the supermarket and I look across and there's, there's one thing of broccoli there that's on its own looking yeah. beautiful. And then there's green sprouting broccoli, which is nicer. It's much nicer, especially yeah. if you roast it with a bit of, um, with a bit of butter or whichever kind of uh, product you like to use. I tend to use margarine. It's so much nicer, but it's wrapped in tons of plastic. Mm -hmm. And I think, do I need it or do I just really want it? Um, Obviously, there are times when people really want it, so Mm -hmm. they get it. But it's that kind of stopping and thinking, is it something I need or is it something I want? Am I being a bit selfish in this kind of respect? So yeah, they're the kind of early seeds that we're hoping to plant. No, it's definitely like a really good cause. Um, and yeah, I think you just some people just need that little change in perspective, I think, and that can be caused by watching one of these videos or interacting with any of this, um, any of the stuff you've got on the website. I just had a moment with a friend of mine the other day. We went out for coffee, and I I reached for one of the single use stirrers to stir my coffee. And she's she's super green. She's uh, trying to go like waste free and things. And the, the look she gave me and the thing she said to me like you're not using one of those. And now every time I've I've used them, I used one yesterday. But as soon as I reached for it, I saw her the look in her face and I felt guilty. And I thought it's these little pushes and these little you know seeds like you're saying that can help uh, make tiny changes to people's behaviour or make them I don't know, inspire them to start you know things like the kids against plastic and things like that. So it's all about exactly. raising awareness and no, it's great yeah, stuff. That's, that's the thing because um, I know that, you know, we're at a stage where it is a climate crisis um, mm-hmm. and there are big things that need to be done um, with plastic. For example, um, the amount of plastic produced by various drinks brands is, it's obscene. Um, mm-hmm. It is ridiculous. And, you know, we do need, large-scale kind of boycotts let's be honest it would be nice if people would boycott certain brands and and these you know protests need to happen but that all needs to start somewhere yeah um you can't just suddenly be like okay then everybody don't drink that drink it's Mm -hmm. terrible because unless they've been educated unless they've got the idea unless they've made those positive steps to start with yeah what's going to inspire them to then say i want to boycott that drink Mm-hmm. unless they've seen you know how they can boycott that drink you know yeah how do i not drink that drink well we'll learn how mm-hmm. to not drink it and but then if you do drink it make sure you take it make sure it's a recyclable bottle and make sure you then take it to the recycling and make sure you recycle properly because as we know only nine percent of plastic waste that's been produced has ever been recycled yeah it isn't the answer um but the way I kind of look at that is when, you know, when I 
have to change my diet a bit because I, I add a few extra pounds. Mm -hmm. It's a bit like me recycling is a bit like me saying, well, I'm going to go to McDonald's today for lunch, but I'm going to walk there. Yeah. And for me, that feels a bit like what recycling is, you know, well, you know, I'm, I'm using the plastic, but I'm recycling it. It's not really, it is a good thing to do, but mm -hmm. it isn't an answer. Yeah, totally. Okay. Um, so how can people contribute to the cause? How can people get involved with, with, with Renewable English specifically? Well, with Renewable English specifically, um, we're very active on social media, on Instagram, mm -hmm. on Facebook. So we have other teachers who come in and share their lesson plans on there, which is great. We have students mm -hmm. come on and tell us what they're doing, what they've been up to. So, yeah, engage on, on social media would be great. Come and join the classes. Mm -hmm. um, if, you, if you they're not on at an appropriate time, watch the classes back. Um, but what I love are ideas that come in from other people and articles and stuff like that that can be provided and shared with other students. Renewable English is completely free. I am very much for free education, especially on topics like um, the environment and social justice issues. I do believe that they're things that should be available to everyone around the world. Um, no matter what situation you're in, obviously you need to have access to the internet. So mm -hmm. it isn't entirely inclusive. Um, we are doing some work with um, with refugees in the UK. We're doing some volunteer work with them uh, to try and kind of give back um, on on a higher level than just giving the classes. To try and you know directly go to people who have. Uh, less access to language classes and so on and so forth. Um, so, yeah, to get involved, please do follow us on social media, engage with us. Or if you want, if you're feeling the, the desire, we do have a, a coffee page where people can donate. That's coffee, K-O hyphen F-I, mm -hmm. and then Renewable English. So if you want to donate, then feel free. Um, it's basically, you know, you donate the price of a coffee, um, mm -hmm. which is, I think, three euros. Um, and then I will not be using a, uh, a, a single-use stirrer. <laughs> stirrer. <laughs> I will be using my reusable cup. Um, yeah, so that's basically, you know, it says it's for coffee, but um, it does cost money to, to produce renewable English. It is like a, a passion project of mine. I am working on other projects to, mm -hmm. to kind of, pay the mortgage and you know feed the family and stuff like that so <laughs> it is a passion project but you know there are costs of you know subscriptions mm -hmm. something that i never thought of subscriptions to everything yeah you know and then every you know every four or five days like oh your subscription to lightroom has come out of it your, your subscription to this it's like subscriptions to everything yeah can't we just buy it i just want to pay for it and have it no, no. you have to pay monthly mm-hmm very so. Um, and what's the website address? Where can people... Uh... Website address is www.renewableenglish.com. For the, the website, there is a link to the coffee page mm -hmm. on there. And it is, if you would want to um, donate, feel free. It's coffee, K-O-F-I, um, dot com forward slash renewable English. Brilliant. Well, we're going to put all the links in the description on the SoundCloud as well. 
um, so people can check it out there. Um, but thanks a lot for speaking to us today, Harry. Oh, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. Well, and speak again soon. I certainly hope so. Um, yeah, if there's ever anything else you want to speak about, just give me a call. Brilliant. Thanks. Now we're going to speak to Joanna Sterling and Chris Etchells from ELT Footprint UK. So if we could start with just telling us a little bit about the background and the origin story of ELT Footprint UK. How did everything get started? Okay, well, I guess that's one for me. Um, I, um, I'm i the founder of VLT Footprint UK. Um, but the, the origin of the story is, is, to be honest, all of us. It's it's you, me, everybody listening to this podcast. Um, basically, everybody who together has managed to put unsustainable pressure on the planet and uh, brought about the current climate and ecological crisis that we're all facing. Um, so we've created this problem together. Um, some more than others. And um, together we need to sort it out, basically. So our thinking is that every person, every organization, that's schools, companies, educational bodies, everybody, needs to be asking themselves um, whether they're part of the problem or part of the solution, uh, and then making changes accordingly. So um, with with that background, um, back in spring 2019, um, I asked a question on an English-UK discussion forum about the impact of um, English language teaching or UK English language teaching on the environment. And that led to the formation of a working party and a report. And then uh, that all sort of morphed into the ELT footprint uh, UK um, movement. Um, we wanted to make sure that people knew about the issues and were acting on them um, and uh, doing that within the UK as part of the wider green ELT movement. Mm -hmm. Okay. And what would you say is the, the mission statement of the movement, if you could sum it up? Um, yeah, for, for us, it's to, to use the powers that we have in UK English language teaching to help bring about a better, sustainable future for everyone. Mm -hmm. Okay. Not only in English language teaching, but uh, across all of society. Yeah, yeah. Ba basically, I think everybody has um, different powers in their own situation, and uh, everybody has a responsibility to use the powers that they have to tackle this, you know, huge problem that's facing us all, um, and to to envision and help bring about a, a better, greener future. Mm -hmm. And how do you think the organization is affecting change at the moment in the industry and in society in general? Well, can I take this? Um, yeah. I think um, I think one of the things that I feel that we're um, doing successfully is keeping sustainability high up on people's agenda. I mean, I know just from personal experience, you know, something happens, you watch an amazing David Attenborough or something, you know, or some kind of um, something that really makes you feel very strongly that we have to do something and you make changes and then those things sort of start to fade out as your normal life goes on. Mm -hmm. And you kind of need to have those constant reminders, but also I think to have um, positive steps that you can take. So we really... Um, I think we're managing within ELT, I mean, obviously not all of it, but uh, to keep that high on the agenda. And 
at the same time to provide people with ideas and information um, about ways that they that they can affect change. And I think a lot of that is about getting people to ask questions and not not to accept things as they are. You know, we're we're just coming out of an extraordinary time mm-hmm. where um i mean perhaps the one good thing about it is that um you know we've been in many ways acting more sustainably and it's really important that we look at not just going back to old ways that that were really damaging so i think by providing a platform for sharing ideas that's also really important and um uh yeah i would say those are the things that that we can do most successfully mm-hmm. um, yeah, can i just can i just add to that so so at the moment just by way of example um there's uh there are elections going on at the moment for english uk there's an educational body called english mm-hmm. uk and there are elections going on for board candidates for that organization and uh, one of our members um, helen kind has just conducted a fantastically effective uh, LinkedIn campaign, sort of behind the scenes, um, but asking each of the people who are up for candidature to state their positions on green ELT and pledge their support for green issues. So that things like that are really helping to raise awareness within English, uh, within UK um, ELT, and, and in the end will help us to hold people to account where it really matters. Okay. And it was okay. quite interesting because none of them had mentioned it and so mm. um i think it was a really important thing to do as well just and and i think it's something that we have to chip away at as well exactly yeah definitely bringing exactly. it front and center and yeah making people take positions on it um because i think like like you said everybody uh probably takes the position that they they, they are green but then you have to follow up on that and make sure that they're putting those ideas into practice yeah um uh you mentioned uh, obviously the the pandemic and the win. Hopefully now looks like we're coming out of. Um, and you mentioned on your website that you're viewing it at the end of it as an opportunity not to go back to old ways and as like a springboard to maybe moving to some uh, greener form or green greener ways of doing things. Um, can you say a bit more about that? The, the end of the pandemic is an opportunity. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. So I mean, it's a really difficult time. Um, for English language teaching and for, mm-hmm. for UK English language teaching in particular. I mean, obviously, um, people have not been able to travel. Um, Organisations are, are really um, being squeezed. Um, and and so, you know, they might be asking themselves, well, why, you know, why worry about green issues when we're, mm. we're struggling for our very survival in some cases? Um and the answer to that is really that when when COVID is gone, um, the the problems with um, climate and the ecology, the problems with the biosphere, basically, are still there. Um, and it's a much larger picture, and it's a picture of which COVID is just a small part. So we're all facing that same future, and it's it's a perfect t- opportunity right now when some of us are, are fairly quiet um, to to really think about where we're going, reimagine, envision a better future and and really use the time to work towards that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've um, 
we're doing a, a series of uh, discussion events and um, we've been looking at what the obstacles are to mm-hmm. for uh, organizations and teachers um, to bring more sustainability into the profession and one of you know the big thing at the moment is cost because a lot of organizations obviously have been hit very hard uh, by covid financially as well as everything else and so the first one of these that we're doing on the 19th of may is actually looking at um steps that people can take that are either low cost or free or even might save them money mm-hmm. so you know i think we have to work with that reality that people have got but as chris says you know the climate emergency is actually a much bigger thing than covid it's covid is more in our faces if you like you know but um really the big issue um is the climate emergency yeah um and how do you envisage like the the green classroom of the future um what are some of these changes that organizations can make um to become more well, green okay i think there are um uh there are so many things that we can do. I think there are so many things that we've taken for granted. Mm-hmm. And I think those are the things that we need to challenge now. I mean, one is the the incredible amount of paper that we use. Um, it might seem quite an obvious thing, but really nowadays I think there's no excuse for it. Um, uh, we can put so much online, which... Um, is just going to be much more sustainable. We might not be able to get rid of paper completely, but we can certainly reduce it hugely. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think um, one of my special interests is, uh, is materials development. And uh, I think that we've really got to work on threading issues of sustainability through the curriculum Mm -hmm. Uh, in course books very often you know there's been the one obligatory unit about uh about the environment and to be honest they've often been pretty boring and depressing and um you know and samey so but i think it's something it's got to be there all the time because it's Mm. an issue that's with us all the time so i think it's about threading that through um i would really like to see more outdoor education perhaps we don't need to be in the classroom all the time let's get people out especially um because we're really uh looking specifically about elt in you in the uk you know getting people out getting them in the in in the environment um uh feeling the environment and getting inspired by it as well Mm -hmm. i think um obviously there are things like um you know power supply and things like that um and i think as well in winter i'd quite like to see people sitting in a classroom with jumpers on you know rather than sitting there in t-shirts with um (laughs) the heat whacked up or you know uh you know with just with some fans in in the summer and things but you know not not uncomfortable so people can't work but just mm-hmm. dressing a bit more for the weather. Yeah, yeah, totally. I agree. Um, how do you think teachers and students can, uh, on the ground, can strive to be greener? What are some of the things they could, uh, changes they could make straight away? 
on your website, for example, you have some uh, examples, things like um, by this time next week, looking ahead to different goals they can set themselves. Yeah. What are some of the most important ones, do you think? Okay. Um, I think there are things that uh, people can do um, pretty much immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that um, we've done, I work at uh, Nile, which is a, a teacher development organization and we've changed um the search engines on all of the student and staff computers to ecosia Mm -hmm. um which uh whenever you do any searches the the revenue the advertising revenue that they get is all spent on uh planting trees you know there are little things like like that that uh you can do we've stopped leaving any plastic cups on the water cooler and Mm -hmm. we uh we actually give uh our students uh reusable cups i think there are all those sorts of things um we also i think it's really important for students when they're uh when they're choosing a school um is to ask the school questions, you know, hold people to account, mm-hmm. ask, um, you know, what steps are you taking? You know, what, what can I expect when I get there? What about the curriculum? What about the power? All of these things. And um, for teachers, uh, well, for, for everybody, I think, um, I think David Attenborough recently said, um, if there's one thing you do, it's don't waste anything. Yeah. And I think that's something that we we really need to push. Um, again, as I say, for teachers, I think it's about building in sustainability into their lessons. But they can also lead by example. You know, they whether they're cycling to work or they're mm-hmm. um, uh, they're bringing their lunch, you know, in a box rather than going and buying uh, a plastic sandwich, plastic wrapped sandwich or something like that. Um, and basically talking to people, I think, and having discussions and, you know, recognizing that things aren't easy, but by having those discussions, mm-hmm. uh, I think that that really, really helps. Yeah. Like raising awareness and planting seeds, right? Hopefully. Absolutely. To get people to at least think, well, to begin with, think about their own behaviors and then hopefully change them for the better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's right. I mean, if I could just comment on that. I mean, there, there's um, most teachers will be aware of um, the UN Sustainable Development Goals, mm-hmm. which are kind of together, they're a kind of blueprint for a better future. And they're, they're a perfect blueprint for English language teaching, um, you know, showing us in what the different areas that we can operate in to try to bring about a better future. So my, my one tip for teachers would be to print out a copy of the UN Sustainable Development Goals, stick them up on the classroom wall so that people are asking questions about them, and then get on your green tinted specs, as we call them, mm-hmm. and make sure that everything that you do, every decision you make, is oriented towards achieving those goals. Mm, yeah, that's a great idea. Definitely. I need to take a look at them. <laughs> Um, so how can people contribute to the cause? How can people get more involved in uh, in the movement with your specific organization? Well, I mean, firstly, um, uh, going going to our website mm-hmm. and um, uh, and join, joining our events as well. As mm-hmm. I say, we've got these these uh, discussion events. 
we decided we have done some uh, which are where there's um, an expert giving uh, a presentation but actually at the moment we're focusing on people having discussions and we put people into groups and and they discuss and I think uh, that's a really good uh, first step mm-hmm. but um, I think Chris you'd agree we'd also welcome some more members on our um I don't know what we are, steering committee, wouldn't we? Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, uh, as I said earlier on, I kind of founded this group. Um, um, and we now have um, volunteers who are, are each, you know, hugely sort of driving the whole thing forward with energy and enthusiasm. And, um, you know, if people are committed and feel that they can make a contribution um, to this group, then, you know, come and join us. Um, join our events, join our group if you want. Just let us know who you are and how you think you can help. Um, go to our homepage, that's ELT Footprint UK, um, sign up for our newsletter, mm-hmm. um, and then we'll make sure that we keep you up to date with what we're doing and what's happening. And um, I think uh, use the hashtag Green ELT in all of your media messaging, um, because that's a way for everybody sort of globally to connect around this same issue and, and really together combine to create a, a really powerful Green ELT movement that'll really move us all forward. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Well, thanks a lot for talking to us today. It's been really eye-opening. And it's really been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, Mm -hmm. thanks very much for inviting us. Okay. Good luck to everyone. (laughs) Thank you. Good luck to you guys too. So that was the end of part one of our series. Great. That was great. Those are two fantastic episodes, uh, fantastic interviews. Yeah, they're really nice. Good job. Really inspiring people, really thought-provoking. Um, and you asked all the right questions in all the right places <laughs> thank you um, and stay tuned for part two which is coming out shortly very soon, see you soon bye, bye. Podcast, podcast. welcome to the podcast two teas in a pod podcast. welcome to the podcast two teas in a pod Thank you for listening to this episode of Two Teas in a Pod. I'd like to thank our wonderful producer, Ben Ward, our graphics man, Mark Wilding, the lovely singers on our intro, Lisa Marie Court, Bernice Ray, Vicky Malena, and myself. I'm not thanking myself. You know what I mean. And, of course, my wonderful co-host, Tim Worry. See you next time. Bye! <laughs>